I know you're going to absolutely love this episode today. I'm so excited because I have a lovely guest today. Her name is Julie Yokoyama. I actually had the pleasure of meeting her recently back in September at an event that I sponsored for my bookkeeping firm. And the event was called Make Your Mark Live. And it was so cool to see her in real life. I was introduced to her by Serena Shoup over at Ambitious Bookkeeper, who's my biz bestie. Shout out to Serena. And I'm just so happy that Julie is back here to be talking on the podcast because she was actually recently a guest expert in my group coaching program breakthrough as well. And so today uh, we're going to be talking about some really fun conversations and also some heavy conversations that maybe we try, we tend to avoid because they're very hard conversations, but they're so needed. So we're going to talk about what succession planning is. So if you don't know what that is, don't worry, we're going to talk about that. But we're going to really dive super deep into the things about and the conversations around what happens when to your business and to your clients when something happens to you. So if you ever thought about that, wondered what what would happen, even if maybe you were temporarily locked out of work, which means maybe for like a month, maybe a, a family member is super sick, what would happen to the company? In this episode, that's really what we're going to be covering and diving into. She's going to talk about working with experts to make sure that you have the right plans in place for, just in case things hit the fan, you have the right direction that you and your team need to go in and who's going to take over the company in the case that something does actually happen to you. You're also going to learn about how to to inform your clients to let them know and have the security and understanding that you do have people here to support you if in case something does happen to you. And lastly, we're going to be diving in, me and Julie, with our own personal experiences of loss in our life and how that really impacted the way that we now think and document in our business and that how important it is to create these systems and processes to really grow the business and roll those plans into place. So without further ado, enjoy this episode. You're going to love Julie. I love her so much. She's amazing. And I just hope that you just, just consume all the goodness that there is. Do you ever feel like if you had actionable systems in place that it can actually take your practice to the next level? Can you imagine the freedom you'd gain from finally getting everything out of your head and into a system that can help you move things on autopilot? Do you ever feel like you want to hire help for your practice, but you just don't know where to start? Trust me, I get it. And you're not alone, but it doesn't have to be this way. You're kick-ass at doing the bookkeeping and accounting work. There's no doubt about that. But you struggle to maintain the systems and operations of your business. Am I right? But don't worry. That's where I come in, the Workflow Queen. I'm going to guide you on how to implement tech, systems, and automation in your practice so you can scale bigger, hire better, and break through to the next level. I can't wait to support you here on the Conquering Workflows and Systems for Bookkeepers and Accountants podcast with your host, Alyssa Lang. Hey everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Conquering Workflows and Systems for Bookkeepers and Accountants podcast with your host here, Alyssa Lang. I'm so pumped because I'm so honored to not only be able to have met this lovely guest in real life and be able to spend some quality time together and give her a big hug, but she's also been a lovely guest expert in our group coaching program, Breakthrough. And so you've probably seen her face, maybe heard me talk about her. She's also been on Serena, as you all know, my Biz Besties podcast. That is how we got connected. So I'm very grateful to have you here. Here today on the podcast. So welcome, Julie Yokoyama. Thank you so much for being here and introduce yourself. Yeah, so excited to be here. And yeah, love Alyssa, love Serena. I just feel so blessed to be connected with both of you, just like powerhouse women. So yeah, I am a business operations strategist, certified director of operations, certified project manager. I specialize in risk management and succession planning. I, I have a take on it we'll get into, but I, I kind of, for us small 
entrepreneur businesses. I mix continuity planning and succession planning to help you cover your because my big question that we're going to unpack to in today's conversation is what happens to your business if something happens to you. And yeah. there are some very practical things that we can be doing now to not only help efficiencies in our business now, but also planning for the expected and unexpected future. And so my focus is to be a strategic partner with my clients. Like let's look at the mission, vision, and values mm -hmm. of the business, but also what is the legacy that you want and, and the future of this asset that you're, you're working so hard to build. And let's, yeah. let's like really look at like taking care of that. And so that's, that's really my focus in working with uh, service-based entrepreneurs. Well, I'm so excited that you're here. I know that your session for our guest expert session, people loved it and just the conversation and just, I love talking about this topic as scary as it can sound. Sometimes a lot of people get really overwhelmed about the idea of what would happen if something happens to me. A lot of people don't, they avoid it. Because as we all know, it's like easier to just avoid it and be like, well, what does it matter if I were to die tomorrow? Why does it matter if I care about my employees or I care about my clients or even what's going to happen with my own like financial assets or whatever that looks like? So I'd really like to take a quick step back because there might be some words that people might not understand or maybe the first time they've ever heard of this or some an expert in this area. So you talked about succession planning. So I'd love to hear like, what is succession planning? Why is it important for our listeners to really like hear about it? Yeah. So I'm going to kind of take it in from an umbrella approach down and then down into succession planning. So the concept of risk management is assessing risks and opportunities in advance of, of taking something on. So looking at a project or any strategy or anything or decision and kind of evaluating like where could there be risk? And then it comes into strategies of how do you respond to that risk? If it sounds like something that can proactively be done, then you get into contingency planning. So kind of plan B is of like, if we go down this path, what would be, and it doesn't go the way we planned, Mm -hmm. How would we act instead? And, and so that's contingency planning is kind of an umbrella concept. And then underneath that, it can get into continuity and then succession planning. And for, you know, we're small businesses and we don't need to have a bunch of separate plans and, mm -hmm. and create these, like the effort of creating these separate things that we need to maintain and update. So I merge it together as a project cover your plan of mixing both. And, and with that, it's not just when we think of the question, what happens to my business if something happens to me, we're then not only looking at like catastrophe of like an unexpected future, but we're, we can also start bringing in like expected things like, you know, do you want to have more space in your life and business to take vacations? Are you doing family planning? Are your kids reaching a different milestone of age where the engagement with them is changing? Or you want to start traveling, you know, with your family and, you know, do you have aging family members that you might need to do caregiving for? And, you know, and, or you have other interests and you, yeah. you know, and, and as entrepreneurs, we're usually <laughs> pretty multi-interested. So it creates a lot more opportunities of starting to think about this question of if something happens to me, well, there's a lot of things that could happen. And, and some of those things can be good, but 
all and, and, you know, and thinking and starting to think about the vision of the business more of like, what am I doing here? Like we start our businesses sometimes to transition out of nine to fives and like start to replace that income. We have a hobby that people start wanting to pay us for, or we're just doing stuff on the side and it kind of snowballs into something and then we pursue it. And it can start off a lot of times just being from a concept of like making money, but eventually that's not enough. That's not enough to continue the motivation and the fire. But, and then, then if you're growing a team, that's not going to be motivating for them, especially if they're in fixed, you know, fixed rate roles where they're like, yeah, whatever you make more money. Cool. So you, you start to have to lean into like looking at mission, vision, and values and thinking about the bigger picture and like, you know, and it can get existential, you know, almost like the conversation of like, why are we all here? What are we doing? <laughs> you know, and now I'm about to reach 40 in January. And so I'm now looking at like, what's the next half of my life going to look like? And I'm kind of evaluating and, and it's, I didn't think that I, I'm not intentionally trying to do that, but it's, I find that those conversations are naturally happening within me. And so if we're looking at the business of like, I've, and I'm investing all this time and this money and this energy, and I'm making sacrifices in my personal life to shepherd this asset, what am I doing it for? Where is this going? And starting to not work so much of like, how am I making a nest egg for my family to inherit if I die? Or, you know, mm -hmm. I'm just working to work, but then it's like, you know, what's the greater meaning here and looking at legacy in a broader capacity. And so starting to do succession planning, kind of narrowing down even further, we're looking at like the definition of that, that I kind of boil it down to for our types of businesses is it's creating delegation strategies that address a change in roles and responsibilities or a change in availability. And we can start looking at it from us, the owner. Yeah. But then we can translate that conversation to key team members. And then looking at like, if we're growing the business, like what do we want to delegate off of our plates and grow into another role or nurture a current team member to grow them into accepting, taking on some of these responsibilities. And so it's creating proactive planning of, you know, what do I want in the future? Because you can't just decide like, oh, I no longer want to, I want to work only 25 hours a month in my business starting next month. Like yeah. you, you have to have strategies and you have to have an idea of how that's going to look so that, you know, things don't start collapsing. Yeah. And you're, you're continuing to move in a forward trajectory. And then you're looking at, you know, do I want to sell the business someday? And if that's the thing, and, and Alyssa and I have talked about that a lot, you know, she has intentions in that direction for her, for her businesses. And so it's like, those are conversations you have to start having with yourself years in advance. And I have, I partner with financial professionals and acquisition and brokers that help with the, the transactions and they get approached by business owners, sometimes just too late in the game. They have the idea that they want to sell maybe like, you know, six months to a year before they actually want to be like the contract signed, but that, you know, they're not ready. They're, you know, their businesses and, you know, being a systems person and yeah. as well, you know, like you have to have your ducks in a row and you have mm -hmm. to be really organized and structured and you have to have something that's worth handing off. And the buyer is going to want to have everything organized. They want to know that they're buying like not a hot mess. Yeah. 
that they're going to have to figure out and that it's like, it's something that's going to continue to make money immediately for them. And so succession planning is really taking those proactive steps to have these conversations with yourself and put down on paper, you know, what is, what are my desires? And then you can start to piece together, well, what would it look like to actually make that a reality? And then that's when you can start to have the conversations with lawyers and your financial professionals that support your business and everything to start to kind of get the legality in place to make it to where these things can come into being. But also like you can start to think about like, well, what are the actions that I need to start taking or the the kind of shifts in direction that I need to start evolving into with my decision-making? Uh, 100%. So if like, the cool thing is from what I understand now that I'm going down this path of doing the evaluation for the companies, I believe that we're going to do it in January of 2024. So I'm going to get professionally evaluated to see like, cause I want to plan like a couple years in advance to get an information of like, what are the things that we need to improve? And it sounds like having a lot of these things in place also proves, I don't want to say legitimacy, like, but maybe that is the right word, but like, if you can show a buyer that you're so proactive about these plans, we have these things in place, they're ready to rock and roll. We've got it documented. You know where everything's at. Like, you know what the intentions are. It makes it easier and it makes it more appealing to be bought. And also you can totally get away with a higher ticket of a selling price point when you have your together. That's what I know just based off the research that I've been doing. So I'm assuming these types of plans really help to almost amplify like your credibility as a company to in the case that you want to be bought. But it also sounds like you don't need to be on the path of, oh, I want to sell my my business, especially people listening here, like selling their firm. You don't have to be selling your firm to have these things in place. And it's probably not even recommended. Like you don't need to have that. It's you need to have the plans in place, regardless of what you intend to do with it, if it's a sell or not. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, you know, for the sell perspective, it's perception, right? And, you know, us as business owners out there selling services, it's, you know, we have to give the perception of value, mm-hmm. you know, and if we're trying to not sell like an hourly thing yeah. and we're trying to, you know, get the value back from the years or decades of experience we've invested in developing the skills and everything. So it's, you know, we have to kind of create that perception and that that's the same here. It's like, you know, perception of value you think about with brands, like, you know, two brands could have the same product, but, you know, one can charge $3,000 while the other person could charge $300 because Mm -hmm. of the perception. And so, yeah, so it's, it's, it's about being organized and creating that perception that, you know, you're buying something that you can be confident in because it's been taken care of Mm -hmm. and, and developed thoughtfully, but it's also, we're not just putting these things in place for later. All of the, like, even if you were creating a plan that was based on in case I die, Mm -hmm. that's going to be like the most extreme because it's like, essentially, like if you're literally no longer around at all to inform or support anything, then who, who else has to come in, whoever that person is, or people are, they're not going to have the knowledge base and everything that you have. So thinking about what do they need? in order to shepherd, like one, do they even know what to do with the business? Is it like, can this thing still run? Does this thing need to be shut down? Is this sellable? What's valuable about this business? You know, like, do they even know where to begin with that? But then do they know what's involved and how to like start taking action and who to contact and what to address? And then if you're creating a succession plan around that, the most extreme 
you are putting organization and structure and documentation in place that's going to support taking a vacation. How do you delegate like just like, you know, smaller chunks of work for, you know, smaller periods of time. You're putting these systems in place that are going to support a myriad of other scenarios that will benefit you now and create efficiencies in how your business runs today, day to day, how you can better empower your team to take more autonomous action, to come to the table with more ideas and solutions rather than leaning on you whenever a problem arises or they need more work. They're coming to you with like, tell me what to do now. It's like, where can you create like clear roles and responsibilities and standard operating procedures that can empower them to evolve themselves and see the vision in the business too, that they're contributing to the forward movement. Yeah. 100%. I think it's all about, it sounds like to me, it's just planning. I mean, it's just going down to, like you said, the systems it's everything always goes back to what's the book. I forgot his name. I think it's John something I'll have to like, remember and I'll put it in the show notes, but the book is called built to sell. Even if you don't have intentions of selling, it's always trying to build the business to be ready to operate without you. And a lot of that does come from planning. I'm like, how many people have you seen that are really successful who don't have a team or like they might, they might've done, you know, great by themselves for a really long time. But if you really want to truly scale and you want to truly grow and not have to be working 80 hours a week, then you really have to have the team in place, the systems in place, the right plans in place, having a clear path and a goal and like a place that you want to go. It's like, what's the saying that um, you can't see the forest through the trees? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. I always mess up slogans. So if I mess it up, just let me know. No I'm like worries. one of those people. So yeah, so it sounds like succession. Su- su- am I saying it right? Succession or succession? Succession. <laughs> succession. Yeah. I'm also bad at nailing, not nailing the freaking words all the time. So for succession planning, so that's essentially just making sure that you have the plan in place for like role transitions, just in general. It's not like you have to have it in place for if the, in the case you're being evaluated or it, it complements it. What do you mean? So Sorry, like if I, I were to be, part. oh yeah, no, you're totally fine. So if I'm as a business owner, I'm trying to create some sort of a plan to help me. Like if life happens to me, mm-hmm. is this succession planning essential in that case. Hey, listener, just wanted to quickly interrupt this episode today to ask you, have you been trying to find a better solution to actually taking payments from your clients? Then boy, do I have a solution for you. One of my absolute favorite pieces of tech is Pluto. Pluto is such a game changer in your business. It really helps you to allow you to be able to take payments easily from your clients through ACH. They also take credit card as well, but they have so many different options. One of the big perks to using something like Pluto over something like QBO and all the other options that we have out there for invoicing is because it is way more cost effective and it has saved me thousands of dollars on those fees that we get taken out for invoicing our clients. So we no longer use QuickBooks Online in order to invoice our own clients. We now have migrated over to Pluto. And if you want to learn more about Pluto and check it out, it is amazing. They make such a seamless process for our clients to be able to add the ACH information, to ask them to authorize us to be able to take the automatic payment every single month and saves us a ton of money in fees. You're just going to go to workflowqueen.com backslash Pluto. That's workflowqueen.com backslash Pluto to learn more. I, I, it's a good thought process, you know, Mm -hmm. because especially 
it's a thought pro like, and then, and this is like the thing, cause I know this came up when I came and spoke in your program mm -hmm. was a question came up of like, okay, when I hear the word succession planning, I think of a lawyer. So mm -hmm. why would I come to work with you versus just going directly to a lawyer? To a lawyer. Yeah. And my kind of my thought in the way that I describe it is I'm the preliminary part. Like I, and I actually partner with lawyers, especially as state attorneys that, you know, work with clients that also have businesses because I can be the intermediary step between like the estate planner, the estate attorney and the business attorney, where I can have a holistic conversation of coming in and talking about your business with you as somebody who gets it too. Because yeah. they, they're, you know, they're coming in with their specialties and they're only seeing it through the eyes of their specialties. So the eyes of the law and mm -hmm. like, you know, so you can come in and be like, oh, you know, if I died, I would want to sell my business. I'm married or I have, you know, business partners or, you know, whatever. So they're going to look at the lens of like, okay, legally, like how would that transaction happen? Mm. But boots on the ground, more me of being that operations expert, I'm looking at, okay, it's like, first get clear on what your intention is of what you would want to happen. And this, and this could just be like the vision of your business. Cause I work with clients on a quarterly basis on like revisiting, like, what are we doing here and why? Yeah. But if we're looking at that, it's like, okay, well, let's look at great. You want your business to be an asset that's sellable by the people that inherit it or, you know, the executors or whatever, but how is that actually possible? Are you holding all the knowledge in your head? Yeah. Do people actually know what to access and like, what's all entailed? Like, are there going to be accounts that are just drained because there's auto pays happening that people don't know that those subscriptions or things exist. Yeah. And so it's like, I help with like, let's look at everything and think it all out and then, you know, determine what the succession scenario would be. But then let's also look at like, how do we get the affairs organized in a way that it's actually executable. Yeah. Okay. And so, cool. and that, yeah. And, and that's something to revisit over time, especially to make it supportive of near-term goals and long-term. Yeah. Does that answer your know, question? Yeah, no, it totally answered my question because I think, like you said, coming up from our, our own group is I know that when I first heard about succession planning, I also, in my mind was like, this is an only lawyer thing until I was introduced to you and you opened up my mind to the fact that like, you're right. Because right now, like I'm working with a lawyer to draft my will, my pour over will, you know, my power of attorney, like what's going to happen with, and then there's also the financial side of putting things in a trust for the company and like, who's going to touch it. And they're going to have the logistics of what person is going to take over X. But like, like you said, the boots on the ground is you who's actually going through and saying like, now, once that asset that was put in the trust is handed over to that X person that's identified in the will, then, then what's going to happen because there's still no other logistics. And so that's where you're coming into play. So that's really good. Mm -hmm. I think that really clarified with people asking like the difference between, but they yeah. all work together. Like you said, you work simultaneously alongside all these people who are going to do the legal side, because I'm in California probate can take almost up to two years. Mm -hmm. Like it's no joke. Like then you don't want your family to have to go through that. And especially if like, we both have experienced a lot of loss in our lives that we've seen it happen where families have to sit there waiting for these types of things. And, you know, our family always says, we don't want your money. If you're here, we don't want your things. We're more concerned about you being here. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like I'd rather my stuff go to my people than to the state, like mm -hmm. in my opinion, or, or to wherever the hell it goes. That's not within the people I love as much as they don't want it now. It's like, to me, it's so important.
you know, yeah, and we can have, we can have the intentions of we, you know, we want things to be bequeathed to certain people personally and professionally, but if we're not sitting and thinking about all of those pieces, like there's so many, and this is just cause I also am an, an end of life doula. So I, I also like think and talk to people about this from their personal affairs standpoint. So so many times people's beneficiaries are outdated and this, yeah. and you think about too, with people getting divorced, like there's, I've heard a number of stories just talking to lawyers and, and just uh, people that where someone passed, they were divorced and remarried, but some of those things were outdated or they, ha- they didn't update their will and mm-hmm. their ex was listed as the beneficiary and legally that has to be honored. And so depending on what that account or asset is, that could be pretty detrimental to the family and create a lot of conflict. And we know, I mean, I've had a lot of my family members pass away and I can't think of really any time that there hasn't been some conflict around the, you know, the assets and and things just being emotionally charged after the passing and, and it really comes into like, you have to be rooted in your why, because this work can sound like what if planning and people get in their heads about like, yeah, that's great, but I don't have time. I got to focus on making money, but it's like getting this stuff done does serve you. Now it creates efficiencies in how your business operates. Now it gets you thinking smarter Mm -hmm. about what you're doing and why, but you have to be rooted in your greater why of why you would do this planning. Is it because you want to make, you know, life easier for your family? If something were to happen, Like, is it, I talk to a lot of really, you know, micro business owners where their spouse would be the person that would step in or, you know, a family member, but like the spouse doesn't even know about the business bank accounts, like how to even access the the money, much less know anything about the business. And then if you have team members and you value your team, like, how are you taking care of them? If you're not around, are you setting that emergency contact up? whether it be your spouse or whoever, to be able to know how to contact the team and then your clients, you know, if you value your client relationships, you value being able to shepherd, you know, continue to shepherd and take care of them through referring them to someone else or ensuring that your team knows how to like communicate with them in the interim, you know, are you communicating your intentions here? Are you giving these people the resources they need to be empowered to take this action, to take care of the collective asset. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and then those are all things that have to be kind of unpacked and thought of because they can so easily be overlooked. Yeah. And even if you don't go as dramatic as like, if I were to die, like tomorrow, it can even be like, cause I know that going based off of me connecting with the legal team, that's building out the will and everything. Um, there's also the power of attorney. So the power of attorney, if something were to happen to me, like I get in a car accident or something and I'm in mm-hmm. a coma, what am I going to allow for? And who's going to be the one to make the decision? Like what's going to happen. There's also that too, is I, what I believe is that you want to have something in place, especially probably for succession planning on your side of the playing field is you probably want to have something in place that if like Alyssa is non-coherent for two weeks straight and she's been given, you know, notification to the team that like, she cannot operate. We do not know how long she's going to be in this coma. Like at that point, maybe in my will and maybe in these, these plans, it's like the company will still operate as normal until the day I'm gone. Then that's a whole different scenario because then I can come back after three months For sure. 
And then like, how can we go from there? So maybe the succession plan, uh, succession, I still feel like I keep butchering the name, but (laughs) y'all understand what I'm trying to say here. I feel like the plan helps with the scenarios of Mm -hmm. like, if Alyssa is just temporarily unavailable, maybe I have not been able to respond for two weeks, start making these actions here and here, because there's no reason why I would never not respond to my team for two weeks, Mm -hmm. unless there was a very intentional thing. And if not, then they need to know what they need to do and what they need to have in place. Maybe they need to contact for me. Brooke Swan is someone that I'd have for my firm. They'd be contacting Brooke Swan and saying like, we need your help. Like we need you. We can't get a hold of Alyssa. Also, mm-hmm. Brooke would probably know before my team did because she's my best friend <laughs> that there is something that happened to me. Right. And same yeah. with Serena. She'd step into workflow queen. And so it's also you're doing your family as, as hard as these things are. Like you said, you really are doing them such a service. Like you're being so unselfish by putting these things in place, because if something does happen, the last thing they need while they're mourning is to have to worry about what are these things that are happening because like they can accumulate the debt. There's so much that can happen to them and that they put on their plate because of me being like, oh, well, I can just work on a project today instead of focusing on what's like the bigger picture and what's the next best big step for everybody. And like you said, I think it was you that we did a call. I believe we did like a one-on-one, which I'll put the link below if you want to book a one-on-one with Julie, but we did a one-on-one together. Do you still offer that, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. No, yeah. Maybe just not like announce it if you don't do it anymore. So we will put the link below, but we booked a one-on-one session. We talked through like the whole planning, like maybe some tips and tricks. And one thing that's always like kind of resonated and stayed with me after that conversation was you are actually building more of a relationship with your clients when you are informing them that you have done your due diligence to make sure you have a plan in place. If something does happen that like, this is why I'm hyping up my team constantly, because trust me, if something does happen, you need to still be able to operate. And it builds a better rapport with them to say like, they're not just operating on their own. She's got a plan in place. Like the confidence is there. And it's not something that you would just like drop a bomb on a console call and be like, yeah, if I die, you're good. Like, you know, but there's, there's ways that you can incorporate it into the conversations. And I remember leaving that combo with you thinking, okay, like how are there ways that I can inform my clients that they're always taken care of? For me, it's constantly talking about how my team is amazing or constantly reminding them that even if I wasn't here, like you're going to be okay. Like, and it's these little types of conversations. And for those of you listening that don't have a team yet, it's okay. Like there are ways, but this is why it's so important. I tell people all the time who maybe aren't in my niche for my firm, if I'm trying to connect them to another firm or trying to give them advice on what questions to ask, to know that if the firm's the right fit for you, mm-hmm. I always say, always look for a firm that has not just the owner. And as crappy as that sounds, because sometimes we all start off with just ourselves, I say that because like I've seen so many instances where taxpayers or bookkeepers die. And then the client's like, I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. I can't even get access to my QBO file. Like I cannot get data to even prove if an audit were to happen. Mm-hmm. And so I always tell people, you want someone that has multiple people. So that way payroll can be ran. Things can be done. And I always think it just goes a long way to remind your clients that you're also being intentional and that you take your business so serious that you're willing to think about these things. And to your point of people that don't have a team and measures that you have taken yourself of having clear identified, basically executors of your, of each of your businesses, that if you don't have a team yet, do you have another industry peer Mm -hmm. that you can have like that kind of like referral relationship with, but it's like an, an agreement that if something does happen to me, you have access to then unlock. And, you know, and that can be through an intermediary, like a lawyer, like, Mm -hmm. so you're not just like handing over passwords or all of that outright where, you know, 
you don't have to fear nefarious action in the interim, but it can unlock that, like they can then go in and, and kind of take over the client work and like help shepherd what happens next, depending on the, the level of relationship you have with the trust you have with this person. I mean, it's kind of like with doctors. Like I, I know that over the years, like going to doctors, sometimes they're on vacation or gone and they're like, oh, you can book appointment with so-and-so at this other office. Yeah. So having that kind of thing, and then that can be kind of built into those client conversations, right. Of like instilling that confidence of like, yes, I am a solo operation, but I have thought about this and I have contingent plan B is going back to contingency planning. I have contingency plans in place to ensure that you are cared for and that you're taken care of. Yeah. 100%. So I want to kind of take a step back when people are trying to get their life together, right? Find all the things, where are all the account numbers? Like, how is all the things, like, how is everything operating? What is your recommendation? I know that you offer something, which we're going to talk about here in just a second, but what is something who, maybe who's listening, who's a little bit overwhelmed with like, well, I don't even know where, where all this information is at. And also what is important information to be documenting? Like, what are these things that I need to have in place? But if we were to take a step back and say, how can we gather all of our ducks and put them in a row? What would be your recommendation for someone listening, trying to put all that stuff together? Yeah. So I recommend creating a central source of truth, which I do have something that I'll talk about in a second, but creating a central source of truth that kind of pulls it all together. And that discovery of you pulling all of that information together. And if you have an operations manager or somebody that can support that, like they can do some of that legwork, but really the exercise is pulling the knowledge out of your brain. And so getting it out of your head and documented somewhere that other people can access it, it unburdens you. It starts, you know, you feel like the weight of the world is not on your shoulders anymore, but it's also a discovery for you to remember. And along the way, as you're gathering these details, you're assessing, do I still need that? Am I paying for stuff that I actually don't need anymore? Does this fit my strategy? But like you go through like the business registrations and are there like certifications and, Mm -hmm. you know, trademarks and, you know, what are the services and like, how are they delivered and kind of thinking through like, what are the kind of like operational steps and like platforms that are utilized to support that kind of day-to-day operation. And then thinking about like, where are the institutions where bank accounts exist? How many accounts are there? And the same with like credit cards and Mm -hmm. then business loans and the do you have a CPA doing your taxes? Do you have a bookkeeper? Like what's the contact information? Who's the lawyer? You know, what's the contact? I mean, just creating this central source of truth. It creates like all the breadcrumbs of what makes up the machine that is your business. It's all, it's putting all the gears together in a document where you're not putting in the passwords and the pin codes and the, you know, this, you know, the secret answers or, you know, whatever the sensitive information, but you're giving people like the basis of like, you know, if you have a PEO, you know, this is who you contact about, you know, HR matters and, and then getting down to clients. Okay. Where can client contracts be found? Cause you think about like, if you're suddenly not around, it's like, Ooh, we need to identify who all the active clients are and what are the contractual yeah. terms of those engagements. And where, you know, what are the liabilities of like, where, you know, 
it could have like financial repercussions or there might be money that's like, hasn't been recovered. And then thinking about what are all the expenses in the business and like, let's outline all of that stuff. And then that's where you can kind of do an audit through that discovery process and the tech stack. And like, what are all, you know, all the subscriptions going back to expenses. It's like, you can often find some efficiencies that can be created there and just kind of going through just every part of the business and kind of unpacking all of that. And just, because also like you think about contractors, like when you hire like a W2 employee, you have them fill out hiring paperwork and you're usually gathering, like, who's your emergency contact? Like, if I can't get a hold of you, like, you know, who do I call? But like, we don't do that necessarily with freelancers and contractors. And it's like, if you're hiring somebody very specific for something and suddenly, you know, on a retainer basis, and they're suddenly not available, like, how do you find out what happened to them? (laughs) Yeah. Not only that, but also when that I've had some situations that have happened with contractors that I've hired that like just disappeared off the face of the earth. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I, you guys have deliverables or things that you need to do. And then they come like resurface after like a week or two. And then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, I got really sick or like this would have happened. It's like, I, on one side, I'm like, I feel for you 100%, but also there's like a contractual obligation to deliver on the things. And like, I need to either be like compensated for what the lack of not being able to deliver on. I'm a human, and I, I feel for someone, but at the same time, it's like, this is business. Like I have to have these things done. And I just, yeah, I love how it's like, you're essentially building like what I like to call like an owner's manual, which like tells you uh, the who, what, when, where, how, why of like literally everything, mm-hmm. um, just so that everyone knows where everything's at. And this is just a big testament to anyone listening who's like, I don't need to document. I do it all myself. Like there's so many things that we have to remember every single day. Like I don't, I can't imagine my world not being systematized and not being documented like it is now, you know, obviously back in like the day, it was so different than where it is now, but this just goes to show for all of our listeners, why these types of things all draw back to systems. They all draw back to your finances. They all draw back to like your life, like holistically. And like you said, you're taking that holistic approach. I like the idea of like having it, you know, is it something like a document you would recommend like a Google doc or like like some sort of thing like yeah, that. I think, I think it's anywhere that you feel confident that you'll keep it updated mm-hmm. and that it's like a tool that you'll use. Like for me personally, I created a fillable PDF. Yeah. So that does create some constraints around editability and like malleability of that document, but it literally is a plug and play. It lays out every category and then it's just like fill in the blanks kind of approach. But then I also offer extra pages and like each section has like extra space to like elaborate more on other details that you feel are valid for, you know, and the document starts with you identifying like who's the emergency contact for your business. Like if you weren't there and you were not going to be available ever again, who would be the per or even temporarily, temporarily or permanently, who would be the person? that would step in to take action on your behalf and the business's behalf ultimately. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, we're building this asset and, you know, and for some people, this is an asset that's like the sole breadwinner of their family. And we have to think about like how to keep that being an asset and not immediately transitioning into a liability. And mm-hmm. something that I've, I've talked to some people about that comes up is like, you know, when somebody passes, a business owner passes and the family kind of has to come in and pick up the pieces, you know, they're grieving, they're maintaining life. They're also yeah. addressing personal affairs in their day-to-day existence. And so if they don't know what to do, there's going to become a lag and then inefficiencies and then lack of action and lack of mm-hmm. communication. And that starts to incrementally deteriorate the reputation of the business. And then the, like in some cases, 
you know, if they just come in and they don't know what to do and they're like, oh, well, let's just give these clients to this other person that just wiped out the value in a lot of ways. And then they'll come to somebody to be like, Hey, I want to sell this business. And it's like, well, there's really no value left because you let the domains lapse or, you know, like, et cetera. There's so many different ways it can go, but like having clear intentions documented and empowering people with the information they need allows immediate action and allows the retention of value. If that's the the goal ultimately. Yeah. So I want to talk about this fillable PDF because I think people listening are really going to be super interested in this because it's very helpful. It's helpful for us to know, like, this is where all my stuff's at. Like you said, we sign up for things they are everywhere. We don't like review our expenses. We don't do all these different things. So I want to talk about this. So for one, this is something that you're selling, which I do know we talked about this right before. We will link it in the show notes, people, for where to find this fillable PDF. If for some weird reason, a link doesn't work, just email us at support at workfolkwing.com. We will make sure that you get connected to Julie and we'll give you over the link, but it should be in the show notes. But let's talk about this fillable PDF. So this is something that someone would sign up, pay and be able to have the download and they go and fill it out with instructions on like just, you know, information and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah, like there'll be a video that kind of gives an overview of the document mm-hmm. and the intention around like how to think about certain things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like it's basically like get your affairs organized, kind yeah. of like the initial step. It's like, if you're going to start somewhere, start here just by like dumping as much information because you started the business, right? So you're the one who put a lot of this initial stuff together. And, and so you're going to have the best insights into where things are at, depending on like how seasoned of a business you are. And like, if Mm -hmm. you do have operational kind of like a right-hand person that does have quite a bit of knowledge, like you can delegate, but it's really, you have to be engaged in this process. But once you get it all down, then it's just editing and iterating at like, you know, I would recommend annually at minimum, (laughs) you know, but like, you know, potentially you look at it twice a year or quarterly, depending on like, if you're going through a lot of transitions or you're changing like the, the formation of the business, or, you know, you're changing like the kind of strategy of services and, you know, just kind of thinking through things. Cause that would affect your tech stack and like have implications that you want to keep this document as updated as possible in real time to serve like, you know, immediate need as well as future need. But yeah, it's, it's just a resource because I, a lot of clients I work with, they get to this point in their business where they're like, I don't want it to all be on my shoulders. And they're, they, and, and what I often will talk to entrepreneurs about is like, whether you're a nine to five employee or you're an entrepreneur in neither scenario, do you want to be in the same position forever? Yeah. You want to evolve. And especially as entrepreneurs, we're multi-passionate. And so we're going to be inspired easily. And we're going to want to like, and as we learn more about our businesses and how we can serve people, we start to see where our value truly lies. And it's not going to be in some of the more, you know, mundane details Mm -hmm. of implementation. And I talk, you know, a lot of clients that want, you know, they're great at business development and obviously con, you know, like if they're the Mm -hmm. face of the business, the content. And so they shouldn't necessarily be in some of these day-to-day implementation. They shouldn't still be doing their own bookkeeping or they're the thought leader that like can be the spearhead of innovating new services and, and working with clients on a higher strategic level. So again, like they need to think about like, how can they start delegating and nurturing team members that they can trust 
And to your point of like, build trust with the clientele to trust these people too. Yeah. But it starts with like starting, you have to start somewhere. Yeah. And (laughs) and I recommend starting with like starting to unload yourself as the primary knowledge Mm -hmm. holder wherever possible. And that's where I feel like a lot of people get stuck and stunted with hiring and starting to evolve their role is because they're like, well, I'm the one that knows everything. And so it's like, okay, well, let's, let's eliminate that first, mm-hmm. then let's start to work on the mindset of like, I can Letting do it go. best and most efficiently mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because that might not actually be true. And let's also like loosen our expectations of what getting it done looks like. Yeah. So I recommend this creating the central source of truth manual, which I call it the business handbook, but yeah, I almost, I almost kind of like the idea of calling it the owner's manual um, <laughs> So <laughs> might still that, but yeah. So like starting with something like that, just to get all of that base knowledge out, because to your point of talking about resources that just kind of disappear on you, it's like when you're writing something down like that, and that poses the question to you, or it triggers a memory of a bad experience you had where you're like, you think about like, well, how could I do something differently? Like you could look at, okay, do I build something in the contract with contractors and freelancers Mm -hmm. that if, you know, there's a concrete expectation that if there's going to be an illness or anything, that that there has to be an immediate communication, we have to tell people how to treat us kind of thing in that case. Right. But it's like going through these motions creates those ideas, which then can turn into actions that create efficiencies and better flow in the future. Yeah. 100%. I'm excited for everyone to check out the lovely PDF and everything. I can't wait, everyone. I think this is going to be so incredible. I just love this conversation. It always gets me excited. One, it's always great to think about like, what's the future going to be like, whether positive or sometimes the negative, which is harder to face. I know that only because when I met with my lawyer to talk about my will and everything, and I talked to my financial planner, we were like together on one call. And it was like the same week that me and you got on a call together. All these conversations around like, death. I'm sorry if it triggers anybody, but the word death and like thinking about these things is so scary. I had a mental breakdown. Like it was really hard. Mm -hmm. So just to warn anybody, if you're like me, when you start to think the fillable PDF might not be that place that you'll feel this deep impact. Cause that's more like the logistics of things is very straightforward. Yeah. But the, when you get into things like thinking about your future, what's going to happen if something happens to you, I want you to openly prepare yourself emotionally for those conversations because nobody prepared me. I actually sent feedback to both my financial advisor and also to the lawyers that are going to handle the will stuff. I sent him an email and I said, I don't know if it's because I'm a woman and I'm just emotional, but like, I just want you guys to know that after I got off that call, I just had a mental breakdown. I had to call my best friend, Brooke, and I just cried. And I was like, it's so scary. Like as someone who's only 32, but as you know, like I lost my brother on Thanksgiving day to cancer when he was 16. So I know that like life could be so short. It hit me so hard. It hit me mm-hmm. really, really hard to think about like, is my dad going to be the one to have to pull my plug? Like to ask my dad to do it yet to another child is a hard ask to have these hard conversations with my friends about, you know, as much as they want me to be here. And do I want to be cremated or this or that and all of these things. But at the same time, my friend had to remind me that like you were being unselfish by making these plans. So they don't have to make these decisions and feel this weight. And so anybody going through this process, just know you might have to emotionally prepare yourself. I wish someone would have warned me because I was not emotionally ready for that heavy, heavy conversation. (laughs) Yeah. And for me, in my personal journey, almost every one of my family members has passed. And and so I've like 
death is from four years old on. I've just been every few years, there's been a loss and friends and pets and all this stuff along the way. And so I got to a point after some profound losses in my late teens and, you know, in adulthood, And especially after my mom died, she died 11 years ago on New Year's Eve of a heart attack. And that was like, that one was really hard because there was no closure. Yep. It happens fast. And it's just, yeah. And I, I had started doing yoga. It was more of just like exercise kind of thing. And so I didn't really have any like spiritual attachment there, but my mat became my sanctuary where I could cry (laughs) and, you know, and, but then I started kind of getting into some Eastern philosophies, just kind of like leaning in for like comfort and like answers. Yeah. But when I started to find some teachers that focused on the like kind of existential concept of our mortality, which, you know, Buddhism leads into a lot of that and like letting go of attachment. I started to kind of slowly explore, explore my mortality and kind of explore processing the losses I've experienced in those relationships from a bigger picture and starting to kind of like create a perspective of what I think happens after death or whatever. But it was like, there's this book. I don't know if it'll be for everybody, but it was a book that I found really profound. It was, it's called the five invitations. It's basically like, I don't know the tagline specifically, but it's like essentially like what death can teach us about living more fully. And the author is Frank Ostaseski, and he was a Zen Buddhist teacher based in the Bay area. And he started like Zen hospice and and he would go and care for dying homeless people on the street and kind of thing. So he like was very present with death and dying, but like just, he has a very beautiful and gentle and loving perspective on exploring these concepts. And that really started to open me up more to feeling like, I feel like the underline of my work, the work that I do with clients is coming from a place of like, this is a universal, like death and dying. It's a universal rite of passage that all living beings on this planet face. Yeah. And and I don't know if it's just specific to Western culture, because I know that there's some other cultures that, you know, have a more comfortable relationship with these cycles of living and, you know, yeah. but my goal is to, however, I can help people have tough conversations and work through these rites of passage, whether that be grieving loss, because again, if you love, you're going to grieve because impermanence and change is the name of the game in this life. And so if I can help people destigmatize the concept of our mortality through, you know, facing these conversations and like, I'm hopeful that that can create more life fulfillment and more space for them. And so my hope for you is like that experience was really tough, but hopefully that that can create some space and freedom for you ultimately. Oh yeah. 100%. Like just being able to just cry it out after to like Mm -hmm. someone, because for them, it's very transactional. It's very much like, let's get you in. Like, let's do what we got to do. And that's why I think me and you connected really well is because you do bring it from a different perspective where you're actually looking and considering my emotions or considering my feelings of like, what do I actually want from this? Like you're looking at it from a different perspective than like the lawyers are very like, it's the law. We're doing this. We're doing that. We're doing this financial planners. Like we're looking at your money and this and this. And it's like, it just was a lot. So it definitely was a good lesson for me to learn. I just wish I would have had someone there to prepare me for that kind of thing. So I feel like I have a responsibility now to share it with Mm -hmm. the world, especially if we're going to talk about this topic that just be prepared because it can be very hard to think, you know, sometimes they, you know, 
everyone's always saying, you don't, Melissa, you're crazy. Why are you thinking about these things now? And I'm like, cause you don't understand like the past that I've like both me and you've experienced. It's like, we know death can happen literally at any time in any day or whatever that looks like. And it's scary. And I just wish more people like talked about, you don't have to be 70 or 60 or 50 to wait till you start making these types of plans or your business doesn't have to be 10 years old to start doing this. Like your business could be three months old and you're already starting to think about these things. Like Mm -hmm. if you know you're in it to win it, like, and you love your clients and you at least are thinking about these things, then you care enough to do it. So I think so many great tips, tricks, lessons, all the things. I am going to link everything below in the show notes for everybody, especially the fillable PDF, because I'm even excited to take a peek at it because (laughs) you know me, I just love all these things. So I'm so very excited to jump myself into something like this. It's, It's very, very, very much fun. And thank you again for being yet another guest now on the podcast and also in Breakthrough. I really appreciate you. Now, how can people get immersed in your world and get in front of you and chat with you and all the things? Yeah. So if you want to reach out, I love making new friends. You can find me on LinkedIn and Instagram at Julie Okoyama. And that's Julie with two E's, no I. And I have a podcast. It's called Project CYA. And that's where uh, I focus on. I talk about strategy, talking, uh, I talk about risk and succession planning, but I'm also starting probably in January to have guests on to really focus on risk, like where risk lies in the business space, bringing on different experts that have perspectives from different areas of business, but also life as well. I'm going to bring on a grief expert and her and I are going to like kind of just unpack grief because you know, there's grief and just like disappointments too, right? Like it doesn't have to just be death, but like we're experiencing grief on micro and macro levels every day. And, you know, being so responsible for our businesses, our energy levels are important and like, and, and also having grace for ourselves. Yeah. Cause we can be so hard on ourselves. So it just covers risk and all the facets of being human and business owner. And so, yeah, so you can find me there. Sweet. Well, thank you so much for being here and I appreciate you and I'm sure you'll be back on the podcast soon. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of our Conquering Workflows and Systems for Bookkeepers and Accountants podcast with your host, Alyssa Lang, the founder and owner of Workflow Queen. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and share this episode with a fellow bookkeeper or an accountant on social media and also tag me on Instagram at Workflow Queen. The more that we work together to get this out in front of other people, the better I can help to serve this industry to create more solid systems and processes. Now go take what you learned from today's episode and apply it into your practice so you can finally give yourself the brain space and freedom that you deserve. I can't wait to see you unfold throughout your journey. And thank you so much for tuning in to yet another episode. See you next time.